It was something I was going to mention during announcements, and I didn't, so I'm going to announce it now, and then we'll get right into the Word of God. If you look in the foyer, a couple of things. One, you'll see some new business cards, um, and <laughs> got that one upside down. And this is the church card, and this has my name and phone number and some ways for people to reach us. So you're welcome to grab some so that you can share that with other people in uh, as you're out, out and about. Um, and I appreciate um, the church being faithful to do that and share that information with people. The reason being is because you and I both know there's a lot of people outside of the kingdom of God that need to hear the message of the gospel, whether you're sharing it with them or I am. Also, we made some changes to the missions board, and what we'd like for you guys to do is visit that, pick up any of the missions. There's, you, you don't have to pay anything. You know, There's no charge. You go there and you pick up some of those for as prayer cards. If we run out, we'll find more. Um, just let me know if you're picking the last one. And you know what? It wouldn't hurt if you wanted to stand there and just pray over some of the missionaries right there at the map. But well, however you want to do that, we just want to encourage you to do so. Well, the, the message this morning is pressing in. Um, if you don't need it today, I do. <laughs> I do. And the Lord has been ministering this to me through this week, but especially this morning. Pressing in. I want to look at two places in Scripture there's actually, uh, I think it's also in Mark as well, but I want to look at two places in Scripture. Speaking of the same story, but a, a few details added in one of the Gospels, it's not in the other. Um, let's look in Matthew chapter 9, verses 20 through 22. <clears throat> and suddenly a woman who had the flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Look here in Luke chapter 8, verses 42 through 48. I'll try and give you a few seconds or minutes to, to get there. Depends on how long it takes. <laughs> Luke chapter 8, verses 42 through 48. But as he went, the multitude thronged him. See, that's what we're missing in this first one here. There was a lot of people around him. And now, a woman having a flow of blood, it's a hemorrhage. If you look at it, that's, that's what they say. It's the hemorrhage of, of blood. For 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians, and could not be healed by any. She spent everything she had, and this is a 12-year run, and came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? And when all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceived the power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, and falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched and how she had been healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. 
Isn't that amazing? That is, for many people, they want to believe that that didn't happen. But we have so many New Testament authenticities to show us the validation of at least the New Testament in the Bible. It's so many of these things. And so this woman is, I think, to us a picture of many things. But it just shows us how valuable it is to know whom we're going to and to know what Jesus can do for us. You know, He hasn't changed in His power to be able to minister to us from the time we read this, the time it happened, to our day now. God wants to touch lives. That's all I know is God wants to touch lives. He wants to minister to you in ways you're probably not even aware of. He wants to make you understand and know. And this is something that the Holy Spirit finds a way into the human life and I, I am, it's amazing to me that the God who's created the universe can communicate to my spirit and help me see things that are unknown except that He showed it to me. And so this is a time where she could see the literal physical being of Jesus. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't you be grateful if you could be that person and you could be there to see Him in, in all of His glory and His humanity and see Him there? touching lives, healing. There was times in the Bible that it says that Jesus, there wasn't one that went away that wasn't healed. This story, I think, is no less one of the most miraculous in all of the Bible. And, and what you notice here is this 12 years before she reaches this point. I don't know about you, but maybe you've been a long time before you finally got your time with Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, no matter how long it is before you get there, once you get there, it's worth it all. I love this old song that says, One glimpse of Him in glory will all the toils of life repay. Isn't that a beautiful message to us today? One glimpse. One time I get to see Him. No matter what I face, no matter what difficulties I went through on earth, it will repay every single one of them. Jesus is ready to do that for you today. I believe if you'll just stretch out and you will stretch out through the crowd, the crowd of unbelief in your mind, whatever you got to do with stronging your thoughts and get in the way of there and find your opportunity to touch Jesus today. I believe he wants to get into that area of your life that's been plaguing you. I don't think you need to wait another day. I think Jesus has the virtue right now, right among us, right now. I want to give you a few scriptures because the first thing I see is this woman pressing in. You know, the crowd is pressing in. And it's amazing because they said, Jesus, what are you talking about? Everybody's touching you. They're all around you. But Jesus says it's not just the touch. It's the touch of faith. You know, you can have a physical touch and it means nothing, but it's the touch of faith. And that's what's powerful because you don't have to have the physical presence of Jesus to know that you can touch Him today. We need that message. You need to hear that. I need that. Is that I can touch Him today. You know, here's the story of Elijah in, in uh, James chapter 5, verses 17 through 18. I'm going to take you through some verses. God willing, I'm going to get to the end of this message. But I'm going to share some verses with you. I don't have, I, I actually don't have anything written as comments that I'm going to share with you. I have just have verses today. So you're going to find out how inspired I can be in the moment. <laughs> James chapter 5, verses 8, 17 through 18. Love this verse. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. This is a New King James Version. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain and the earth produced her fruit. 
Now, that's the power behind it. I love this. It says he was a man of like passions in the King James Version. He was just like us. He felt hunger like you feel. He feels the days when it's struggled to be able to pray. It feels like it's just hard to minister to God. He's felt like you have. And the reason I think the Scripture inspires that because it wants you to know that wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, that there was another man just like you. God wants you to know that you can press beyond the struggle of your human nature, the finiteness of who you are. We can use the words, we're only human, we're going to fail. But you can't use it in this context. You're only human and God will help you prevail. God will help you prevail. And so here we have this, and he said that he prayed earnestly. He pressed in. He sought God with all of his heart. He wasn't going to let the heavens be brass to him. He was like one of those that said, Lord, I am not going to cease. I'm not going to quit until you bless me. There's some people in this place, you know what I'm talking about. You know how lovely it is and how amazing it is to spend time with God. And you've decided, and I want to say this, there's a time in life, and I believe pressing in is all about, there's a time in life when we come to the place, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Your spirit is so involved in this thing that this is the only thing that matters to you. I'm reminded of Hannah when she prayed and it said she was in bitterness of soul. You know, sometimes, and and if you'll read there in the scripture, it actually says that Peninnah, which was one of other uh, of Elkanah's wives. So she had competition, as it were, and she was having babies all that she wanted. But it says the Lord had left Hannah's womb barren. I wonder why. I wonder why God would let her go under that stress, that complication. Hannah probably had more moral stability and modesty and purity than Peninnah did. But I think that God saw something that he would never get in Peninnah, but he saw it in Hannah. And there was something in her that God says, I'm going to reach a little bit deeper. I'm going to get inside of you a little bit deeper. And there's going to be a deeper cry, and you're going to have to press in on this one. And you're not going to have a baby as easy as she has, but this baby is going to transform the world around him. This baby is my baby. And so I think that there's a difference there. And it said that she began in bitterness of soul to weep before the Lord. She wept with that bitterness in her spirit, that brokenness, that desire to see God fulfill His will and promises in in her life. And God did. See, she prevailed with God. I think there's a church today, whether it's this church or another church, but I think there's a church today that needs to hear There's some people you can pray at your dinner table and you can get a certain blessing there. But if you want to get the deeper blessings of God, you've got to go further. You've got to go deeper. There's no other way around it. You've got to get there. And some of us are going to get to this place where the Holy Spirit is going to put something in your heart that's a deeper burden than you can share with the rest of humanity. Nobody else understands it. Only you and God. And let Him do it. Please let Him do it. Let Him have His way in your spirit. And let Him pray for you with burdens earnest that only heaven knows of that you can pray with the depth that this man prayed with. I love this because that even though his physical and natural frame was one thing, his spiritual frame was another. That's what we see in Elijah. And so he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it didn't rain. Imagine that. This man had bankrupted the whole community. You know, this is the thing we pray for a revival. But maybe before we pray for a revival, we pray for a spiritual awakening and a reality that people are going to be famished and unhappy unless they meet with God. There's this thing that we just want blessing, but we don't want God's dealings. 
So here he prayed for a famine, and there was. Three and a half years, can you imagine? There was scarcity of water, scarcity of food, and he prayed for this, that God would bring the nation back to the place that it needed to be. And the power of that is that then after three and a half years, he prayed again, and then God gave rain, and he produced the fruit. I love this. So here we're not just with him, but I want you to visit here in Luke chapter 22, through 41 through 44. Let's go there, please. Luke chapter 22, 41 through 44. How many of you are glad I'm preaching this morning? Huh? Good. Chapter 22, verses 41 through 44. You're going to read about another one who prays earnestly. That's a powerful word there. The same spirit that was in Elijah was the same spirit that was here invested in Luke chapter 22. And he and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. I'm going to let you figure out who it is. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And this is the part that most preachers aren't going to say out loud to you because for some reason they failed to read this scripture. There was an angel strengthening him, and now the last part, and being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. He was in an agony, and he prayed more earnestly. There's a powerful message I would encourage every one of you, write it down right now, to listen to. It's by David Wilkerson called the call to anguish. A call to anguish. I have listened to that a handful of times, and every time I do, I find myself in tears, but I find my spirit stirred deep within me. And I would say that this reminds me, his message reminds me of this of Jesus. And I remember the time I read that, and it really hit me, that Jesus was in an agony, and he prayed more earnestly. And the reason this meant something to me is because I remember when God got a hold of my life, and it just seemed to be the Lord liked to do this throughout the years of my life, but the reality was I just felt myself crying and in tears often. And there was a sense of agony because I just felt like the Holy Spirit had something to give to people and the people around me didn't know that. And I felt the agony of it and I heart, my, helped my heart beat inside of me. And I felt God just pulling this out. And because of that, I saw what He meant. There's an earnestness behind agony. When you feel the agony and the grief of lost souls, when you recognize in this community there are children that are abused by fathers and mothers that hardly have a lifestyle that anything we'd want to be compared to of our own. And there's a sense that I don't have to see them to know what's happening. The Spirit of God wants to highlight people in your life. There's a sense of when people are lost and you begin to feel that. Because this isn't about life and death. This is about eternal life and whether we're going to heaven or not and we're going to be with God. This is about sin issue in the lives of humanity. And God begins to pour in that agony in your heart. That agony and that deep grief that only God feels. And He wants one person that He can share that with. This isn't something the majority get. This isn't something you find in the common Joe. Not even the common Christian. There is just a few brothers and sisters that know what I'm talking about. But when you feel the agony of God, it ties you with this deep earnestness. Now, I have never sweat blood, but I did bleed my nose one time. I was praying in an agony and my nose started bleeding. 
I didn't realize it at the time because I thought it was snot. But I thought, Lord, maybe one more step and I'll get there to actually experience what it means to sweat blood. You know, Jesus really wants us to know His heart. And I want to share something with you. You think, man, what is in that for the one who's praying it? I want to tell you what's in it for you. If you can share that heart with God and His deep agony over humanity of which He's died for, if you can taste that, you're going to feel love. A divine love that you can compare nothing else to. You can compare nothing else to. It might take you a little while to get back to the point of joy, but there is something about the heart of God for people around you. And I feel like that's what God wants to give to His church. So this is a beautiful thing. And here she is as an example of pressing in. And Jesus is no less. Elijah was no less. Here I want to give you one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible. This has followed me through years. In Psalm 126, 5 through 6, you're allowed to say amen anytime you want to. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed for sowing shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I love that. You know what? I don't know if you're one of those secret saints, those special intercessors. I love you. I love you. I'm so grateful for you. You know what? You don't have to be seen. You don't get to stand up here and and everybody know you. But behind the scenes, you're doing the work of God. And I am so grateful for you. I am so grateful for you. You know what I'm talking about. Those hours spent alone with God. But you know it's with God. You know God is highlighting these things in your soul. And your heart has been burdened with His grief. And when God does a miracle, you're the one behind it. I have to say, you're the one behind it. I am grateful for you. I am so grateful for you. And this is your promise. You may spend days and nights wailing and bringing that before the Lord and hardly being able to hold, take your next breath of air because of the deep sorrow of God in your heart, but you'll understand. Oh, because joy comes in the morning. You know, with our churches today, we're trying to teach you and preach joy to you. I want to preach sorrow. I want to preach it because it says that the heart is made better through the, the sadness of the countenance. So there's a, there's a purifying that God does at the same time that He puts you on course to be able to pray in His circle. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's wonderful. And lastly, here in James chapter 5, verse 16, and that's just the first part of this sermon here for you. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. What am I getting at? What is this all about? This is about the depth that we go with prayer. You know, we talk about how far you can go and we say just go deep with Jesus, but we never defined that, did we? You know, this this bottomlessness to how far we can go with Jesus. And so I'm encouraging you today, go a little bit deeper than you have in your lifetime. Don't let age, time, or experience stop you from going deeper with God. Confess your faults one to another. This is such a powerful part of this. I think a lot of people want to go deeper with God, but they're not willing to deal with the faults of their life. You know what it says in Psalms? It says this. It says, He that regards inequity in his heart, the Lord will not hear them. It's just simple, isn't it? The Lord will not hear them. They that regard inequity. You got sin somewhere? It doesn't matter if it goes from the pulpit down to the, down to the pew or the chair, whatever you want to say it. You got sin somewhere and you're just letting it stay and remain, you're going to miss your place with Jesus. 
I can say that emphatically on the authority of God's word. You're going to miss it. This is here for an important reason. So here, confess your faults one to another. Some of it's with us. You know, sometimes we, I said this a while back and, and it hit me and I still feel like I'm chewing on it since the time I said it. But we can use Jesus as our confessional booth. And the problem with that is simply is that you need to deal with things in life. And we like to still keep it hidden by saying it to Jesus, but not getting it out in the open. And if you get it out in the open, you'll find freedom. If you deal with the bitterness of your heart with another soul, if you have unforgiveness in your life with anybody, right now your spirituality is stopped and you and I both know it. You know it. God knows it. And if you want to go the next depth and you want fervency in prayer and you want God to meet you, will you please do yourself the favor and, and honor God in doing it and go find that person and make it right with them. And if it's at home, husbands and wives are probably most likely because the truth is, is that we live the closest together. I mean, the closer you live to somebody, the more you're going to cause problems. And the beauty of it is you can live outside of that realm. God wants to move you further and deeper. And as your heart is in agony and hungry for more of Jesus, you're going to go there. You're just going to go there. Now, there's a second thing I see in this woman's life. That she's seeking. She's pressing and she's seeking. And I want to say this to the women. Thank you, ladies, for being faithful like that. She is something in this. All the stories, this one goes to the ladies out there. This one goes out to them to strengthen them, to minister to them. Because sometimes in your world, maybe you feel like, I don't know if I fit in or where I can be, but God has a special place. And some of the best stories in the Bible have a woman at the middle of them. Some of the best things God's going to do in our world is going to have the ladies right in the middle of it. So here she is seeking. Here's a scripture for you in Proverbs 8, verse 17. Go there real quick, if you will. Proverbs 8, verse 17. How many of you want me to end this sermon here soon? Okay, then uh, I'll keep on going. I'll keep on going. Amen. Praise the Lord. She's seeking. Hallelujah for that. Proverbs 8, verse, verse 17. Very simple, very simple here. I love them that love me. I love those that love me. Oh, hear that from the heart of God. Hear that from the heart of God. I love those that love me. And those that seek me early shall find me. That could mean one of two things for you. I, I don't know what your morning looked like this morning, but it could have been that you sought the Lord this morning. Oh, you were already in His corner before you got here. And I am so grateful that you did. But it could also mean seek Him early. When the problem starts to show up, when a situation arises, that you make sure that you don't let time and space and the situation grow before you got God in the middle of that. Isn't that, that's the way we should be living, is that we bring the Lord in the middle of life. And so I love those that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. I love the word shall. I love the word will. I want you, when you read your Bible this week, this month, this year, I want you to keep highlighting those shalls and wills because that's the guarantee of God. I love when I hear something that God says and I catch that. It says that He says, I'm guaranteeing it. I'm giving you absolute certainty and promise it will happen. You know, God is the one He will never fail in all that He ever does. Some of you need to hear that today. I know you do. You need to know that He'll never fail you. You need to know that just like Joshua said, 
that the, everything that the Lord has promised has come to pass. Every promise that He's made you, He will make sure that He does. You just need to make sure that you align yourself up in a place to receive it. Don't be way over here when God wants to pour out His promise over here. Just be in His circle. Be where He is. And I love those that love me. How many of you love Jesus this morning? How many of you love Jesus? I didn't hear it loud enough. Yes, Lord. Amen, Jesus. Amen. So, He says He loves you. He says He loves you. You just told me you love Him. You just you said it. Let's show it. Let's show that we love Him. Let's show it by the, the, the where we get in the corner of one another's life. Make a phone call this week and make sure you get into somebody's life and love Him by the way that you love one another. I love what Jesus said. He said, whatever you've done to the least of these, my brethren, you have. You have done it to me. You did it. You're like, Jesus, where were you today? Well, I went over to so-and-so's house and I blessed them. I was there with them in their point of agony. I wept with those that wept. And you were right there with me. And that's you loved me. And you gave yourself to me. Do that this week. Minister to Him. And if that's not it, find another way. Oh, find a way to love Him today. Amen. You're already doing it. I heard it this morning when we were worshiping. Okay, i got a few more scriptures to go with this. Jeremiah 29, 13-14. This is very similar to what we just read. And you will seek me and find me. You will. See, some people are struggling with that because they're not sure if they will. And when you search for me with all your heart, there's the key right there, with all your heart, I will be found of you. You know, have you ever wondered, maybe is God playing a little bit of hide-and-go-seek with you sometimes? He's hiding and He's waiting for you to seek. And, and, and he didn't just say, hey, you ever seen somebody in a hide-and-go-seek situation and, and whoever's doing the seeking is kind of like, mm, not sure if I really want to find them. <laughs> Actually, I kind of realized the key to, to, to finding them is, is to wait long enough till they start coming out of their hiding places. I learned a long time ago, I still practice it today, if I'm playing hide-and-go-seek, you can guarantee I'm, I'm going to find a good place, but I'm going to find a comfortable place because I'm camping there for a while. <laughs> well, I think the Lord found a good hiding place. I think He found one that's a good place for you. And He wants you to seek Him with the whole heart. You know, there's one thing to seek Him. It's another thing to do it with all your heart. How much do you want to find Him today? How much do you want Jesus to bless you? When this service comes to a close, are you wanting to get... In, in either at the altar and where you're at, and you're saying, Lord, I don't want to leave this place until you've blessed me. What do you have? What's my portion today? If you're that hungry, I'm going to encourage you today. Seek Him with all your heart. Seek Him with all your heart. Here's another one. Second Chronicles 7, 14, 15. You guys know this scripture. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and what? Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be opened and my ears attentive to the prayer made in this place. I can't help but notice something. I think the church needs to quit praying for revival and we need to start doing what it takes to get a revival. And you know what it is? It says, if my people will turn from their wicked ways. Do you think for one instance, that there's not sin somewhere in this place? 
They were perfect beings. I can ask every single one of you, how many of you are perfect? Do I got any hands today? And everybody seems to say, I'm not perfect. But when we have an altar call, we seem to be perfect and we don't need one then. Now, I'm not going to harass about that, but I'm just going to get a little bit into your corner because I think the reality is this. Until we get to the place where we're serious business with God and we say, Lord, clean the whole house. Clean the whole house. Then we're going to have, we can waste our time, effort, and so much effort in praying for something we'll never get until we get to the place we let God clean the house. Right? Here's another verse. Hebrews 11.6. If you're not convinced by the time I'm done with this that you should be pressing and you should be seeking, uh, uh, next week I promise I'll have more scriptures for you. I promise. But without faith it is impossible to please Him. Ah, that's a powerful word. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. You must believe He is. And that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. How come it keeps putting something in front of that seek word that keeps giving you this feeling it's not just casual, but it's a persistent, heartfelt, holy pursuit to find God? And so we read this in this word. And it says that we must know it is without faith it's impossible to please Him. In James it tells us simply this, Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. But I caught something there. I caught something. It says, Do not let that man expect to receive anything from the Lord. Ouch! You mean grace didn't cover for lack of faith? Not that I can see. The grace of God is what propels you into it. So God is gracious lifting us up to get us to the place to actually believe Him. And so what's beautiful about this woman is that she thronged through the crowd, she pressed through them, and she said, "How? where did she get that from? She said, if I just touch the hem of His garment, I can be made perfectly whole. If I just touch. She knew something, she believed something, and she went all the way with it and she touched Him just the hem of His garment, and she was made perfectly whole. And Jesus sought her out from the whole crowd because He said, uh-uh, no, 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 you, you don't get it. It's just because you touched Me doesn't mean you get from Me. Because you touch Me and you believe Me. Because you believe Me, you get from Me. And so we see no less the reality of that right here in the Word of God written all over the place. Jesus is saying to this crowd right now, if you'll touch Me, if you believe you'll receive. If you believe. Like, well, i got a lot of things I've been believing the Lord for. Maybe what you call belief and what He calls belief are two different things. Something the Holy Spirit has to take us a little bit deeper in that. We believe mentally, but spiritually we're far from it oftentimes. And the last one is that she believed. I love this. I'm going to come to a close here shortly. Have we come to an hour yet? Have we made it to an hour in my preaching? Why is this so important? Because this is what God wants. Believe. And Jesus said in Mark 9, chapter, verse 23, Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible to him who believes. Here's another one. In John chapter 11, verse 25-26, through 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were though he were dead, this is though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me, he shall never die. 
Do you believe this? Do you believe this? This is after Lazarus had died. This was after Lazarus was in the tomb four days. Even the Pentecostals lost authority there. Even the, the, the most spiritually elite of our churches today still don't touch that one. And so here we are. He's dead four days. She reminds him he's been dead four days. And Jesus said, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. You know what? Maybe some of us have stones over loved ones. We're like, you have been too so far gone. You're so abusive. Your nature is so evil. Your attitude is so vile that we just rolled a stone over your life. I guess until you die and make it to the grave. But Jesus is reawakening this in our life. And He's now presenting Himself afresh to us. And I love the fact that He says, I am the resurrection. What's that mean to you? I'll tell you what it means. It means simply this. That the, what Jesus is applying Himself to is the resurrection. He says, this, I am the one that's going to raise every dead person from their grave. One day, everybody's going to come up out of that grave. Everybody's going to be there. And everybody's going to be reunited with Him at one day. Some to everlasting destruction, but with a brand new body that never decays, never dies. And some will be to everlasting life with a brand new body that never decays and never dies. And I hope that's you. I hope that's you. I hope that you've surrendered and given your life to Jesus. You know what I mean today. That you understand that. And he says, I am the resurrection and one day everybody's going to come up out of their grave. There will be a final day of judgment and you will be there. You and every one of us will be there and we will stand before God and give an account of our life. And when we do, we will know this, that not one dead person stayed in their grave. And Jesus says, I'm that resurrection. I am that power. And so when I look at this Lazarus, I see somebody who's asleep. I don't see somebody who's dead. I don't see somebody who's never going to come back again. I see somebody who's going to live and live again. And I'm going to be the one to call them forward. And nobody else has the power in his voice than I do. That's the Jesus we're talking about tonight or today. That's the Jesus we're talking about right now. He's the Jesus you're calling out to. And if you're praying to some other Jesus, you're praying to the wrong one. You're praying to the wrong one. Lord, if you can, I pray that you would save my loved one. He is the resurrection and the life. And he gives a sense of certainty that they're completely blind to. And the beauty of the nature of Jesus, listen to me, the beauty of the nature was that he still had a kindness. He saw the human limitation and the finite mind still saying, well, we know, Lord, one day in the resurrection he shall live. And Jesus is like, you got this one wrong. You got this one wrong. The theology is right, but you got this one wrong for him. And how many of us get it wrong for the moment? You know, the theology is good for eternity, but the theology is not good for the moment. So we have this beauty of what Jesus is saying. And then here, Jesus again in Matthew 9, verse 27 through 29. And when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. Jesus Yes, Lord. I'm sorry, came to him. And Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes. Notice he didn't do it before. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it to you. I just want to bless you today and say that's for your prayer circle this week. He said, Be it according to your faith. Don't look at the things you want that you don't like. Look at the things that you're looking forward to. Do you believe God to touch somebody today? Do you believe God to touch you today? Do you believe He's going to melt you? He's going to be able to touch you and fill you with the love afresh. Hallelujah. I want to read a quote to you from 
I love uh, Ian Bounds. He's an old writer, but he's definitely worth everything in his quotes to us. And he says here, in uh, where it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by supplication and prayer, with th- thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Listen to this. This is what he says. That is the divine cure for all fear, all anxiety, and undue concern of soul, of which are all or we are all closely akin to doubt and unbelief. Isn't that powerful? I didn't hear a yay on that one. (laughs) One last one. Jesus again with Martha and Mary. Be it according to your faith. Is it really that true? I just want to say that. Is it really that true? I think the only thing that makes the exception to it is this. Is it the will of God? See, we can be certain that if we pray according to the will of God, we can be absolutely certain that if we believe, we will receive. But when you start praying outside of the will of God, there is nothing scripturally given to us to expect to receive that. So this isn't a you know, cross-board faith that doesn't have anything to do with the connection from Him on high. The reality is it's always connected to Him, and the faith always develops what God intended. See, this is the thing. It would be a shame for me to promise you something. And say, from my angle, if based on the conditions I've given you, I promise you I will do this. And then after you've fulfilled the condition, then now it wanes on me and I don't fulfill my end of the promise. And you can be absolutely certain that the integrity of God, the, the integrity of God is absolutely perfect. God will never blemish his own integrity. Now that's a thing to pray about. I am so joyful about what could be the answers of prayer. Oh, Jesus, please show me your will. It was, uh, I think it was just a couple weeks ago I was in here. Just I'm usually pacing back and forth up here in front. And I was praying back and forth, and I felt the Lord speak this to my heart. My promises are always tied to my will. Do not pray my promise. I felt, I felt the Lord, just a warning in my spirit. Do not pray promises that are not tied to my will. Don't just pray promises. Figure out, learn and understand. Let me show you what my will is and pray the promises that are tied to it. Pray them with all your might. Pray them with all your heart. You know, friends, I'm going to tell you this. I find myself oftentimes crying to the top of my voice. I am absolutely certain if somebody's walking down these sidewalks, they're hearing my prayer. And I don't care. I am so grateful that I can pray with all my heart, and so can you. When I get into there, Lord, I impress, Lord, move my spirit to pray with fervency, with zealousness, and not be ashamed to do so. And Jesus said, lastly, in John chapter 11, verse 39 through 40, Jesus said, Take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench. For he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you? Did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Did I not tell you? I wonder. This is just me saying I don't know. But I wonder. When Jesus prayed, I wonder if the stench went away the moment that he rose from the dead. I wonder if it's the stench that left first or the man rose up first. It doesn't tell us, does it? It doesn't let you know. But I am absolutely certain that if there's not even going to be death upon the man, there won't even be the stench of death upon the man. 
Jesus, has He raised you well enough that there's not even the smell of death upon you? You know what? He rose us up from the deadness of sin into the life of righteousness. I am grateful that we're called out of death back into death. Says, you know, if you read your Bible, you'll see what I'm talking about. Jesus called us out of the deadness of sin and He called us to be dead with Him. And then He called us out of life and then back into life. He called us out of the life of sin and the life of a sinner and then He called us back into the life of righteousness so that we can literally say, my life has been hidden with Him. The life that I now live, I live for the glory of God. I live for the glory of God. I live for the glory of God in whatever I do, whatever I say. And wherever there's a missing piece to that, you say, I don't feel like what I'm doing is for the glory of God. Draw near to Him and make sure that you don't end that prayer until the Lord has made you new. You know what? We end prayer way too soon. And I just want to encourage this as I'm closing this sermon. And if the sermon's been too long for you, I'm sorry. But I think it's, I hope for the, in the saints of God, it's encouraged you and built you up. But I want to say this, is that as you tarry at the altar, and I want to encourage you to tarry at the altar of God. Tarry at the altar and really let the Lord have His way. I want to tell you from my own experience, and I'm going to just say this as emphatically as I can, there is a big difference from coming to the altar and from tearing at the altar. And if you can't kneel, stand. And if you feel like because of the weakness of your body you're going to sit where you are, that's fine for you. Because I'll tell you why. Because God knows the, the ability of our physical body to do it. But if you can carry your body to that place, you can stand or sit, you ought to. Because there's an attitude of heart that comes when we come before the Lord. It says, kneel before the Lord your God, your Maker. Why kneel before Him? Because in the position, the physical position, oftentimes the attitude of our heart changes before God. And we need an attitude change when it comes to God. We can't have this casual thing coming in the church expecting God to meet me when I'm half-hearted and casual in His presence. You've got to mean business with God if you want to see God do His mighty things in your life. And when He does His mighty things in your life, and you see this woman, she is an example to you. She's the example of the Word of God. Not James, she is. Press in. Move beyond this crowd. Move beyond your fear of what people think. And press in today and let the Lord touch you. I don't know what you want. I don't know what you need. But if you're anything like me, I'm going to come every day to the Lord's circle and I'm going to say, I want something, Lord. I'm hungry, Jesus. I'm very thirsty. My soul feels robbed today because I need fresh manna from heaven. And I'm not willing to go any other way. Lord, bless your people today. I want to encourage you. Let the Lord in. Let the Lord in. And then when you go home, don't quit. Please don't quit. Whatever God starts here, He wants to continue on when you go home. He wants to continue on. He wants to deposit something so powerful into your spirit that you don't know how to hardly to handle it. I'm encouraging you to do this today. Your loved ones and the people around you need for you to be touched by God. And if we don't do that today, I don't know what else we can do, but just let the Lord in. So let's do this today. I'm going to ask for the worship team to come up. I'm going to pray, but as I'm praying, I'm going to ask for you to start coming up too. You don't have to wait for us to see. You don't have to move in any other way, but just let the Lord in. You know what this is? This is surrender. This is just a surrender.